So what did you have for breakfast today? Did you already have lunch? How much do you know about what you eat and how it affects your energy, mood, sleep, and other health-related issues? Hey, girlfriend, it's me, Victoria, and you're listening to the latest episode of The Naked News, which is actually part two of a series on gut health. So if you're listening to these out of order, make sure to go back and listen to part one because that's where I really break down all the cool science and innovation that's happening around gut health. There's also some food recommendations in that episode if you're looking to add more probiotic foods to your diet. And if you're new to The Naked Librarian, welcome. I am so glad you're here. I started The Naked Librarian because I wanted a place where what I call grown-ass women could have impolite conversation around our health and our personal development. And that's why, as you listen, you'll probably hear a story or two about me and my life. Because one of my big deals is helping to interrupt the cycle of perfectionism, which is something coming from a recovering perfectionist, and that feeling like as women we have to be all put together and know our shit. So I'm a little messy and constantly growing, and I like it that way. So back to food. For the last year, I've been experimenting with what time I eat my first meal, which by the way is technically called breakfast no matter when it happens, because the meaning of breakfast is somewhat literal, as in when you break your fast. I've also been monitoring my blood sugar and how it responds to different foods, and it is a tiresome topic between me and my husband, who just laughs or rolls his eyes because for the last couple of weeks, I've been wearing a continuous glucose monitor. So I've been like eating things and looking and checking, and I, you know, of course, need to share it with him. But I've been uh, monitoring my blood sugar a little longer than that because I wanted to know how my body responds to different foods. And now I've been doing things like split testing between eating oatmeal one day versus, say, eating eggs, then waiting 10 minutes and eating oatmeal, which is something called food sequencing that we'll definitely talk about in a different episode. Right now, I feel like I'm in this huge learning and data collection phase, and it's going to take time to put it all together. And there's so much to learn. It's overwhelming. But did you know there are specialists out there who can guide you through a health discovery process and help you make lasting behavioral changes? I'm not talking about doctors, nutritionists, or even therapists per se, although each of those professions do a little bit of this. What I'm talking about is the growing field of health coaching. And like a lot of developing professions, it's a little bit like the wild, wild west. That's why in this part two on gut health, I wanted to talk to my good friend and board certified holistic health and wellness coach, Jen Robinson, who's the founder of Feel Encouraged Coaching. You're going to learn a lot about Jen and how she helps people on a holistic health journey and also learn more about what exactly health coaching is coming up. But here's some things to know about Jen before we dive in. Jen received her holistic health coaching training at the Institute of Integrative Nutrition and Quantum Coaching. She's also a nationally board certified health and wellness coach, which is important because if you decide you want a health coach, this means that your coach has not only done the training, but she's passed the board exams and is part of a national organization of coaches who uphold certain professional standards. So when you see the letters NBS-HWC, that's what those that credential means. Now, Jen works with a lot of women, and helping women has always been a huge part of her life. She not only studied psychology and women's studies at Oregon State University for her undergraduate, she also for years co-owned a local women's clothing boutique that is all the rage in my neighborhood. Now, Jen's moved on, but this shop is so beloved in my family that over the years, my sons quickly learned that they could just go there and buy me socks and bracelets or scarves, and mom would be totally happy. And they actually still give me gift certificates from this shop. So a lot of people don't know this about me, but in my early 40s, I was a model. I know, I was totally discovered late in life, and I owe it all to Jen, who invited me and some of her other friends to walk the runway for her boutique's fashion show and pose for some of her ads. So thanks to Jen, I can now add fashion model to my resume. I mean, it would probably be a controversial job title. After all, I was and remain quite awful at smiling on command. But just dress me up in cool outfits and follow me around with a camera, and eventually I'll do something you can put on a flyer. 
My favorite picture of me, can, can I say that? Can I have a favorite model picture of myself? Damn it, I say yes. So my favorite model picture of myself is this picture of me in this soft green top that has this wide turtleneck that's also a hood. And I'm wearing it kind of up above um, over my hair. And I'm also wearing this fun skirt and these colorful tights and these cool boots and this adorable leather backpack. And I'm on the corner of one of the mean streets of Multnomah Village, which if you're not from Portland, you maybe don't know. It's it's like this former antique, look cute, adorable little village place. But I'm on the mean streets of Multnomah Village and I've got this huge smile on my face as I am throwing out my arms and I'm jumping victoriously in the air. And the photographer caught this and it just, it was so fun and it makes me so happy whenever I see this picture. So speaking of levitation, I am pulsing with excitement as we jump into this episode. And I want to tell you a little bit about the interview before we go there because it's loaded with awesome information about what it's like to be a woman in a world that encourages dieting and how that really affects our physical and mental health long term. We also talk about stress and how that impacts us. What I love about the holistic coaching method, which you're going to learn more about in this edition, and plus all the juicy bits about how to adopt simple habits that can improve your digestion and gut health and overall wellness. But what I love about the holistic coaching method is that it's all about empowering the individual with information, habits, and practices that affect long-term change that you actually want. So it's not just about dropping 20 pounds, although maybe that's something you want. It's about looking at the whole picture of your health and finding your motivation around how you want to live and frankly, how you want to age. So in just a minute, you're going to hear a great story about how Jen and I met, which includes some more jumping around. But I wanted you to know that I included this part of our conversation because a theme that comes up in this episode, but we don't really dive into fully, is the importance of friendships and community when it comes to our well-being. And if you've been listening to The Naked Librarian, you know just how important that is to me. I am very fortunate to have many friends who have special talents like Jen, and I'm grateful that they can be part of what I'm doing and help me share all of this good stuff with you. Speaking of community... I'd like to ask your grace on some of the audio that you're going to hear today. We had some technical issues in our recording, and I had to actually record this episode twice and then put the pieces together. You may notice some difference in the audio, but if you do, know that you're listening to someone who is learning as I go and getting better every day, and I'm grateful to you and for your patience with any of the wobbles you hear in this episode. So with no further ado, let's do it. Part two, your three pound universe, how gut health affects everything, everywhere, all at once. So Jen, do you remember how we met? I do remember how we met. I, I think that we probably saw you before we chatted. And I just, I think it's a funny story because we met in an exercise class and uh, it was actually a step, I'm going to call it a step class that really was more of a dance step class. And it was one of those classes that the same people came every single time, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, consistently. And so I always saw you, but didn't know you yet. But what I can remember was I'd be kind of in the middle. I like to be in the middle, but there was always this kind of beautiful fit, just light woman that would come in and go to her exact spot every time in the left-hand corner in the very front row. And I loved I would do my thing and we would do it. And I would love having my, I would be always attracted over to, to you because you were so in the moment of joy when doing that class, which was what we loved about this class. We could really be in the moment and exercise with so much joy, so much enthusiasm, and then the bonus of working out really hard. And so I would use you, Victoria, as this inspiration, not only because you're always doing something higher, faster, stronger, but also as this incentive of enjoying what we were doing. 
And I, I don't remember exactly the next level of how we met. Maybe you can fill me in, but I just remember that was my first impression of you of just full on joyful exercise. And that is what we did. And we, we had that class. I don't know if you were there nine years, but I was there nine full years. And, and then, and then of course we must tell me if you remember exactly. Yeah, I, you know, this is so great. I love your version of this story because the reason why I was always in the left corner is because I was late and there was usually only one spot that was by the water fountain. <laughs> and so I was always wedging my step. Sometimes I was even in line with the teacher. Not that's like not where you want to be in a step class because it sort of it confuses who's in charge, but it wasn't a power move. It was literally that class was so popular and Robin, our teacher was so amazing. And the reason why this class lasted so long was so packed is because you're right. It wasn't a regular step class and she incorporated dance and there was all of these unique moves that you would learn. And I just, I remember feeling a little bit like a newbie when I started that class, like that class had been going on and people had been loving it. So I probably wasn't there nine years because I probably came in probably halfway and you could tell, and she would do it at 6 a.m. I think, and at 9.30. So yeah, it was quite, um, it, was, it was really fun. So I don't remember getting to know you in the class. I remember maybe kind of smiling at you and getting familiar. And then maybe when our kids, played sports together. We started to, to really make that connection. And um, yeah, I loved that class. I loved, it was definitely at a time in my life where I was really attracted to all things that were really intense and fun. And I would go to that class today if it still existed. That's not to say I wouldn't like it. I probably would do it a little differently because I don't know about you, but as I've gotten older, I am more careful. <laughs> and in that class, it's like, oh, can you hop on one leg backwards and then do like a double time, you know, spin and then get back on, but also leap off frontwards and now jump over and do another little turn in the back. And then we're stepping and we're stepping. That's what I remember. And at the time of my life, that just was endlessly, you're right, endlessly joyful because where else could you go and do that kind of, I don't know, like chore it was choreography. And I'd grown up loving dance and gymnastics, but it had been years since I had done anything like choreography. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, for me, I, I, I didn't realize I loved dance that much until I took that class. And also Robin was a, was actually a dancer. I mean, that's her background. And somehow she connected with the step, which connected with us, you know, it was all the right time. It was all the rage, but the support in that class, the enthusiasm, the connection, you know, now where I, where I am looking back and I talk to my clients about what brings them joy in movement. You know, it's a different mindset when you, when you look at what brings you joy instead of how are you going to lose weight? And I think about that class a lot because I never, yes, it was incredible. We got, came out and we were sweaty and we worked hard, but my first thought about that class was the joy that, that we felt and the enthusiasm and the connection and the look and the ability of looking forward to seeing people. And at times we were, it was when our kids were little and maybe we didn't have a lot of extra time to be social, but that was a time where we all kind of blocked it out the time. And that was what we did either at 6.30 or 9.30. It was, we had that choice because she only, she only uh, had those times. So I know that, you know, you and I met in this class and um, you weren't sure so much about dancing. I happen to know you were an athlete growing up and that's one of the places where you experienced movement. And I also know that you were a coach. So I know you've coached your sons in basketball when they were younger. So you did boys basketball. Uh, but I think I remember you also were an eighth grade girls coach. So I'm really curious what's What's the difference between coaching eighth grade girls today or eighth grade girls then and the work you do with women every day? Is it uh, light? Are they light years away? 
You know, it's a really good question. And I think about <laughs> me as a coach, it's kind of the way I was as an athlete, very intense and very compassionate. I think that what I've learned about the difference I would say is that I came from a very compassionate place of seeing growth. So that's that's similar in wanting to see growth in my clients now and having them figure it out themselves, seeing that growth and um, seeing what they can, what they can do. And I also really encouraged these, you know, eighth grade girls, there's so much going on. I don't know if you remember yourself in eighth grade, but oh my gosh, there's so much um, questioning and wondering and curiosity and doubting. And this is where judgment and shaming begin. And so knowing that I, and also working with women for so many years, I think that when I coached the girls, I felt like I wanted to be this mentor for them to let them know they had so much strength inside of them. So I, I think there's a lot of similarities, but it was, a wonderful experience. I think that they probably thought I was a little kooky because I was so passionate about basketball in general, but also it was so wonderful to show this woman to be so passionate about a sport and to actually show emotion about it. I also was able, the other thing is I was able to talk about the body and strength and, and share that connection with them. And I also do that in my coaching now, finding finding out how you can use your body in a different way and how it will serve you, yes, on the basketball court, but also just in everyday life. And it was a great experience also because I got to do it with my father who taught me everything about basketball. So it was beautiful to show that relationship to the girls as well, to have this daughter-father coaching duo. Oh, I love that so much. And I remember when you were doing this coaching with your dad and how meaningful that was. And yeah, I think back to myself as an eighth grade girl and having, I I probably couldn't have gotten through it and become the person I am today without the mentors. Cause that eighth grade was one of the hardest years in my family's life. So I was doing all the things that other eighth grade girls were doing like puberty and peer pressure and you know, the hormonal thing. And then I had this r severe train wreck of um, family life going on and I was switching schools and houses and it was unclear who was gonna be like my guardian or if I was gonna live with my siblings. And it really, you just never know in life when you get the opportunity to uh, mentor or work with really anyone, but especially young people, people who are still developing the, the role that you, the, hopefully the positive role that you can really play in their life. And I think it's really cool to think a little bit about, you know, when you're younger and the development that we're going through, because I think, I don't know about you, but one of the biggest surprises to me of adulthood has been that we're not done growing, that we're still really developing and maybe a I mean, physiologically, we've become adults, but then now in middle age, women, our bodies are changing and we're having to get comfortable with that, get familiar with that, work on sort of the challenges that that may bring. We might be now into a time in my life where we're thinking about like how to prevent certain illnesses or diseases. Um, you know, I have my own little list of, of, I know about genetic problems that are in my family that, you know, when I get my testing done that I can kind of see where I'm at with that. And so I know that this is some of the work that you do with women with health coaching. So I'm really curious, what really drew you to health coaching? And for anybody listening who hasn't heard the term health coach before, I'm hoping maybe you can break that down for us. So Jen's breakdown is coming up, but we're going to take a little commercial break here. And I want to tell you a little bit about the work that I'm doing to support writers, especially writers who are applying to college. Hey, girlfriend, it's me, Victoria, the creator of The Naked Librarian. Do you know someone who is applying to college next year? 
You may not know this about me, but as much as I love what I do here at The Naked News, I didn't always write about women's health and wellness. For a long time, let's just call it at 20 plus years, I helped other people write and tell stories. I was lucky enough to start teaching writers in grad school, which is way before I knew what I was doing. And then I went all big time and taught at the University of Portland for 16 years, where I came to specialize in composition theory, which is how to write, and personal nonfiction, which is how to write about your life. This knack eventually turned into an entrepreneurial itch, which turned into a book. And that's the short version of how I left academia for good. I still work with college-bound students who want help writing a remarkable admissions essay. I love doing it, but it's very labor-intensive and not a lot of families can afford it. That's why I wrote a book and created a course that shows students how to write a standout essay and my favorite, become a better writer before college. The class is called Write Big 101, and it's on demand and includes video coaching lessons to take students from topic to finished essay. It also includes resources for students and parents and bonus coaching on how to write supplemental and scholarship essays. It's also got over 50 example essays from my students who've won hundreds of thousands of scholarship dollars and been accepted into top schools around the country. This course is also super affordable, which I worked very hard to do. So if you know a college-bound student, send them over to victoriapain.com slash write dash big. That's victoriapain.com slash write dash big, where they can learn more about Write Big 101 and watch my free training, Five Storytelling Strategies to Write Your Best College Application Essay. And if you're looking for a smart and thoughtful gift for your favorite high school student, you can find my book, Write Big, From College Application Essay to Storytelling Standout on Amazon. I would absolutely love your help getting these resources into the hands of more deserving high school students and their families. I, I really appreciate you t- talking about when when you were in eighth grade and oh man, I could talk probably hours about my experience of eighth grade. But one of the things that drew me to coaching was, was I had my own stories that I had been telling myself for years around health and wellness. And, you know, I think when my mom got sick, I left a, I left a career because I was burnt out and needed a change. My mom found out literally 30 days after I left that she had cancer. Um, So I left a career. My mom had cancer and we spent a year trying to fight this cancer. And it all of a sudden health and wellness was front and center in a different way than it had been my whole life. My whole life, it was always about how I looked, how other people perceived me. All of a sudden, here I have my mom sick. And a year and a half later, she died quickly. It was a quick illness. And um, I'm sure other people can relate that when you have somebody who one day is healthy and next day is not there, you not only are in grief, to say the least, but also your own mortality is front and center. So I tell that story because I looked at health in a different way. And I recognized that I had some dysfunction around it. Coincidentally, I ended up enrolling, as you told um, everybody in the intro, in a, in a, in a school that um, little did I know, would touch me in a way that I didn't expect. I recognized I had some dysfunction around my relationship to food and exercise that I needed to to deal with. So the beautiful thing about becoming a health coach is I got to grow as an individual. And so that's my, how I love this job is that I get to share my own experiences of learning with my clients and I can relate to them. I have empathy. I have compassion for them. I can meet them exactly where where they are and understand because I've been there myself. So 
know, one of the things when I said I had this, I recognized I had a dysfunction relating relating to food and and um, exercise. I had, as you said earlier, I was an athlete, so I was always had movement, but I also had been dieting since I was ten years old. Um, my mother was a had wonderful qualities. But one of the things that she mentored me were was dieting, constantly dieting, always searching, always looking for that magic bullet. Um, she also taught me a lot of things about cooking and and eating healthy food, but it was always related around a diet. So I had I had this kind of aha moment when I had an injury and I couldn't move. I had to I had to heal. I had to wait and heal my body. But what I realized was I was afraid to eat. If I couldn't move, I was afraid to put fuel into my body. So I recognized this dysfunction of seeing food as not nourishment, but food as something that is going to create this version of myself that I didn't want if I couldn't exercise it off. So that was the beginning of really recognizing that I needed to, to flip the switch. I needed to reframe my mindset about my relationship to food and exercise. And so this this wonderful school that I went to really started teaching me about holistic health, about looking at all aspects of my health. It taught me that I needed to slow down, that my go-to tools of faster, harder, better was not necessarily the best method and maybe wasn't serving me. So I say all those things because those that drove me to wanting to be a health coach. My natural tendencies have always been to be a really good listener, to be empathetic and compassionate to the people that I'm talking to. In fact, I always tell this story because it, and it is completely true. When I was in eighth grade, back to eighth grade, I would have my friends were having so many issues and problems and fighting with each other. And I used to, I remember I used to go at lunchtime down to the counselor and I would want to brainstorm my strategies. So these, my friends could, could handle it. And I remember, I'll never forget this. Mrs. Stringer in Ashland Middle School, she said, you know, Jen, you're going to be a great counselor when you get older. And this was eighth grade. So my intuition and my natural tendencies was wanting to help and I think that that was part of my superpower in my long career in retail as well, where I met people where they were. I listened underneath it all. They People would come into my store with the having to go to a funeral, having to, you know, breaking down in tears. Um, and I could help them find something to wear that they felt good in and Usually by the end of it, we were hugging or crying or having this experience more than just dressing them. So, so that's a long answer, but I think that's why I I'm, was driven to health coaching so I could really work on with people to find their, their place where they can address who they want to be in terms of their wellness journey. I love that. Uh, I I love the Mrs. Stringer story. That's so amazing. I, I mean, it, it just captures what we were talking about earlier. You just never know. And, you know, you, you had so many ways that you helped other people. You raised your children. You were, uh, helped women through retail. You helped so many women. And in the area where I live, I was one of the beneficiaries of coming into your store. And so you had that going on. And then all the while, that Mrs. Stringer nugget, you know, shows up at a time in your life where this is something that uh, you get to do now. So is is health coaching kind of like working with a counselor? Is it like seeing a doctor? Um, do you just write out little, you know, eat this prescriptions? What What's it like? You know, it's, it's not like either one of those. You know, health coaching is a client-centered approach to behavior change. So you, you're, you might think, what is client-centered? Well, client-centered means that the clients are in the driver's seat. The coach 
is we're, we're the kind of the guide. We're the facilitator. I think I've shared with you, we're kind of the um, facilitator to transformational change. So, so no, we're not a counselor because we're always looking forward. We're, all, we're not looking at necessarily the past. We might address some some we might bring out or ask questions that the, my clients might say, I might ask, where do you think that that belief came from? And they'll might bring up a story about when they maybe like me having a mother that that dieted their whole life. So coaching is really about this behavior change. It's about this ability to kind of co-create this wellness vision together. You know, we don't always ask, we don't always think about, okay, what, what do I want? How do I want to feel? We're all kind of led by this diet culture to think about how we want to look, right? So coaching goes a little bit deeper, goes underneath to figure out what, what do you want to feel like when you're 40, 50, 60, when you have grandchildren, what is the feeling? What do you want to be able to do? And when we come up with this kind of vision, our choices become a little easier because we're aligned with this vision of ourselves, right? So we're drawing on what that intrinsic motivation is. I, I love thinking about this difference between what do I, how do I, what do I want to look like versus how do I want to feel? Because there's so much about appearance, one that changes, many things you can't control. And so for me, especially as I age, working on that relationship between how do I want to feel about myself? How do I want to feel about my body? No matter what, like wherever, wherever I'm at. And it, it's a convert, it's, it's a conversation that we have inside. I feel like um, in our last few minutes of talking, we've touched on some of the things that I've been learning with gut health. And so you talked about stress, you talked about burnout, you talked about, um, I talked a little bit about genetics and the role that plays diets and diet culture. And so we know that all of these pieces are participating in our overall gut health and and mental health so there's this holistic version of our health and then there's all these ways that we might go about getting health and it just feels kind of overwhelming so when you're helping people how do you bring all of that together so a lot of what i do is a lot of deep listening and good questions that get people to figure out where the root or where they're stuck in their health health journey so we can dive in and see where we can make some changes. So yeah. I, so I'm just thinking a little bit about a lot of the ways that people are used to working on their health. They might yeah. make an appointment to go see their doctor who and they get some blood work and some test results and right. maybe from that they know they need to make a change. Or Maybe they go see their therapist and their therapist is, and they're working on something like anxiety and it comes up that they really could feel better if they moved their body more, if they practiced meditation. And so someone's looking at maybe making some kind of change or bringing something back into their life. You can't go see your doctor every That's week. Right. That's and right. You know, that is exactly right. The reality is doctors are overworked that they are trying to fit people in as quickly as they can. And where coaches um, come into play there is we fill the gap. We fill the gap of when you get your doctor says, you need to eat, you need to eat healthy, whole food, you need to exercise more and you need to stop drinking. Well, great, that's all, that's wonderful to hear, but how do you start going about doing that? I would say 99% of my clients, they say, I know what I need to do, but I just can't seem to do it. And I was thinking about the other way sometimes we work on our health is we buy a book and we read it and the person even outlines a step-by-step -step process to follow and maybe you try it and it doesn't work for you or maybe it's too overwhelming. Absolutely. 
so I love this description of health coaches really filling this gap because when you're really trying to make lasting changes in your life and you can't, you know, ha talk to someone on a regular basis, like your doctor, who, first of all, isn't, that isn't even their scope of practice, right? Telling you right. how to change your habits, like asking you the questions to get you to figure those things out. So I love how you really help, help people work from the inside out, which is a great segue to talking about uh, gut health. Today, we're really focusing on talking about gut health, especially in thinking about the relationship between um, gut health and physical health, mental health, maybe even prevention of disease, which I know is part of the conversation that uh, the medical world is having when it comes to gut health. And so I'm really curious as a holistic health coach, why do you think we're hearing more about gut health? Why do you think kind of the average person is starting to see this word show up more in our vocabulary? Well, I think the research right now is just showing the connection between so many, I mean, specifically some mental health connections. So really recognizing and getting the verbiage out there that our gut is our second brain and that there is so many connections between how our brain works and how our gut works and how they communicate with each other. So I think the reality of the anxiety that, that we're having, the depression, the, um, the st stomach issues are connected to each other. They're talking all the time. So I think that's probably one of the main issues that if we can heal our gut, we will have changes in our mood, whether it's anxiety or depression, energy, sleep issues, those are, we're finding more and more out of information of how that can relate to our gut and our well-being. Yeah. And that, I mean, that list, you really see how gut health is part of this holistic picture of wellness. And something I've noticed is that there's more of an interest now in looking at your whole body. It doesn't always translate like that. If you go see a doctor or if you go see a specialist to work on something, it's not always looked at holistically, but something that has, dare I say, inspired me about gut health, the way that it offers you a way to work on your healing from the inside out with additional, I don't, I don't know if promises is the right word, but, but this connection, especially to our mental health and just knowing that there's something maybe we could do for ourselves, for our bodies that could facilitate the other changes we're trying to make. I like to think of it as that there's hope, you mm -hmm. know, there's people that are struggling and a lot of times, you know, we're offered a, a, some sort of a band-aid. And what the beautiful thing is about coaching or about other avenues of integrative health is we get to the root cause. So we might even look back of how we were born. Was it a C-section or was it a vaginal birth? You know, there's how we look into, which I'm sure you're going to get into, how are our bowel movements? What is happening there? We look at all these other aspects of our health. How are we sleeping? How much water are we getting? What is our, what do we eat throughout the day? So all of those things, when we get to underlining and get to take the time to really learn about those things, we can maybe get more information that at first glance, maybe we just look at what the symptoms are, right? So we want to understand where those symptoms are coming from. So we're talking a little bit about kind of the variety of symptoms that, um, that exist that may point to all kinds of issues. And one of the ways and thinking about it is taking this holistic health check. And so when you're working with your clients and where does, where does gut health end up fitting in? How does that, how does that work into a conversation about someone's yeah. wellness? Thanks for asking that. You know, I think that the first thing I would do is talk, I meet them kind of where they are. Give me a, give me a kind of a summary of how they're feeling. And we might hear about how they're waking up two or three times a night. We might hear about 
how they have loose stools. We might hear how they're constipated. We might hear about literal pain in your stomach, anxiety, right? And so what I might first do is talk about asking them to have a food diary, write down everything you're eating for me for a week. And so we will look at what they're eating and have a discussion. And one of the things that I do is what do you know about the foods that you are eating? So the beautiful thing is getting the, asking the, the client about information that they do or don't know gives that opportunity for learning, right? because they only know what they know. And then there's a conversation that can happen from there. So I guess kind of meeting the client where they are and hearing about the symptoms, hearing about what the food they're in, their stress level at work, their stress level with their relationships. Their so right now, the clients that I mostly work with, their stress level of caretaking of maybe their parents. So all of that has to be looked at when you're looking at somebody's gut health. Yes, stress. That is a big one. I find that, and we often don't think about the relationship between stress and caretaking because those two, like we experience it as stressful, but I feel like sometimes we think of it as just, you know, this is part of life or this is the phase of life that I am in. I just need to get through it, whether that's a newborn baby or that's caring for a parent with cancer. And so it's, it's interesting to me, the ways in which our, our whole bodies, our minds and our bodies experience stress, trauma changes. And we really haven't been fully educated about the ways that that is going to impact us. And I think, again, this is one of the attractions to me and thinking about gut health, because I, I, from what I have, what I have read and understood that there's a lot of work that someone can do for themselves to start a, to start a health and healing journey. And so that's what I want to ask you about next. I know mm-hmm. that you have and you and your clients really benefit from the way you get to work one-on-one and really customize how the decisions they make and maybe the the food and practices they put in their body. But for people that that don't have a health coach or for anyone at home that wants to start working on improving their gut health, what are some what are some foods maybe or practices that you feel like everyone can benefit from? Well, I love that you were talking about stress. And so maybe one of the first things that we can talk about in terms of really simple, easy practices and how it can relate back to um, gut health is getting your, teaching yourself and your body through a very simple exercise of getting into a rest and digest state. That is getting your parasympathetic nervous system in a place of rest and digest so that we, our body, our gut can actually digest our food. And it's pretty, it's an easy way because if you can't be anxious and rest and and relax at the same time. So one, I would say one of the greatest practices to do is before you're eating, taking some deep breaths, getting your body in that rest and digest state before you eat. So getting in a rest and digest place is taking three deep breaths. You can either take three deep breaths um, and hold at the top and release as as much as you can out. And you'll, you'll find that when you're in that place, your body will actually feel more relaxed. So that would be the first thing. Um, Another simple practice is, I know this seems kind of easy, but chewing your food at least 20 times. You know, I know that that we we are busy and we think we just need to get things down, but really taking the time to slowly eat your food. So chewing your food, another simple practice is putting your fork down in between bites. So slowing down when you're eating. There's one other thing I would say, eating a variety of food. So what that means is, no, it doesn't mean eating, um, you know, junk food as a variety of food. It's eating whole food. So what I mean by variety, it's eating, you know, fiber, healthy fats, 
fruits and vegetables and proteins. That is a variety. If we stay in eating one particular type of food, our gut is not happy. Our gut loves a variety of food. So can we talk um, about that? In your experience in working with your clients, how much variety is the typical person getting in their diet? Because I feel like maybe we've got some blind spots to how we eat every day. I think you're right. I think that people um, get caught up in the busyness of their lives and they end up eating the same thing a lot. So they may just eat the same breakfast over and over again. They And the same, they know that they are tried and true lunch that they have all the time. So I would say, you know, I don't want to speak for everybody, but a lot of my, I can speak from my experience with my clients, a lot of my clients don't have a lot of variety. They they just stick with what they know. And that's hence why they want to come talk to me. They want to learn more. So I would say that I think that people are busy. That is the that is the overwhelming information that I'm getting. I, I'm too busy to be creative or curious or even interested at times of cooking. So I would say that as a whole, maybe not as much variety as they think, and hence how a food journal can really show um, that there is not a lot of variety and a little bit of confusion about what is being said out and eat low carb, high carb, keto, all of these different plant-based, what exactly does that mean? And kind of diving through and seeing, okay, what does a variety look like? What, what haven't you tried before? You know, I think a good a good way of looking at it is when you're talking about gut health is what we're talking about good bacteria and bad bacteria. I know it's not very glamorous to think about food as bacteria, but we really want to make sure that we fuel our body so that it heals itself. That's what that's the message I like to get across. When we eat food that naturally heals our body, we are going to have less symptoms. We will have less inflammation, less issues with our digestion, less sleep issues, less stress issues. So, you know, it's interesting. I, my whole life, I was looking at diets and relating them to uh, as a healthy way of eating. But now that I learn, I've learned so much, it's almost as if diets are creating the problem. We are not looking at food as healing our body. We are looking at it from an extrinsic, not an intrinsic. And I love how you said in the beginning, we want to heal from the inside out, right? And that starts with fueling our body with good, healthy nutrients. So I'd love for you to say more about how diets or diet culture are um, part of the problem when it comes to, um, I'll use the big fancy word, a healthy microbiome. Can you say more about that? The one thing I would say is just any sort of extreme is going to disrupt our microbiome, right? So when we talk about diversity, we don't want to limit, like a lot of people are right now, we could talk about low carb. Well, carbohydrate, carbohydrates are not the enemy. It's carbohydrates like donuts, um, white bread, candy, sugary drinks. Those are the carbohydrates that we want to stay away from, but healthy carbohydrates, quinoa, you know, whole grain, delicious sourdough bread. You know, those are the carbohydrates that we want. Vegetables have carbohydrates in it. Fruits have carbohydrates in it. So we don't want to limit all carbs. We want to make sure that what we are choosing, we want to choose that will actually heal our gut, that the gut wants, that the gut lives on. So in terms of diet culture, I feel like, again, it's about these extremes. And we have to remember, this is a multi-billion dollar industry, right? We, we want people to think that we have to limit, we have to, that we have to keep things um, out of our out of our diet, instead of looking at what we can add to our diet. That's my big thing in terms of trying to get that across when we're trying to break the diet culture, when I'm working with clients, because a lot of my clients have, are women in their 50s. They have spent a lifetime of being on every single diet you can imagine, only to come to me and say, I don't want to diet anymore, but I want to 
I want to play with my future grandchildren in a healthy way, right? We have to let go of those old patterns of the diet culture of, of the restricting and the leaving out and thinking about what can we add in? What can we add in and what do we crowd out in terms of things that are not good for us and, and creating havoc in our gut? Oh, I, yeah, I love that. And I, I have personally found that it's so much more hopeful and optimistic when I think about, I know you talk about eating the rainbow or if I, if I think about, okay, what am I eating at this meal? How could I put some more fiber in it? Or like, what are the colors that I'm eating? Can I add another color to this? And you know, I just the other day made a a delicious stir fry and added some healthy fats to it. And I added some black beans. And when I was done eating, I was so satiated. I wasn't overstuffed. I, um, I felt like I had really nourished my body. And what was so interesting is I primarily focused on what can I put in in order to really, especially because, you know, I like to go, I, I like to immerse myself in my topic. So because I am thinking about gut health, I've been really thinking about how to add more color and fiber and good fat into my diet. So I know that you love to cook. You're an excellent cook. And one of the fun ways that you get to talk to people is about, Hey, here's some, here are some foods that you might consider. So for those of us, you know, thinking about improving our gut health or just wanting to just wanting to thinking about our total wellness, what are some of the foods that excite you when it comes to this? Well, we want to make sure that we have those, those good bacteria that we were talking about, right? The probiotics and the probiotics, probiotics are the fermented foods, right? The, the kimchi, the sauerkraut, which not everybody loves. So I don't like to just jump in and say, hey, you need to start eating kimchi with your your stir fry or your whatever you're eating. I like to talk about how maybe adding some more vinaigrette into your salads instead of maybe you're used to a creamy salad dressing. Let's talk about different kind of salad dressings with apple cider vinegar. So increasing some of that that vinegar that is so good for us and creates the and is a probiotic we add it maybe in a salad dressing and we can put that. So one of the ways we, so that's really what I like to do is talking about learning about what they love to eat and then dissecting it a little bit with adding some more food that um, may change it just slightly so that it's healthier for their gut. So for example, if somebody loves to have, let's say, um, scrambled eggs and the scrambled eggs, cheese and bacon. Let's just say they love that for the breakfast. We might sounds delicious. It does sound delicious, but later on, you're going to feel a little heavy in your gut. Your digestion might feel a little bit limited by that dairy. Maybe you're dealing with constipation and you don't know why. So we dissect that a little bit. And how do we change that breakfast from the heavy, maybe something that's causing some some issues with your digestion to something that is going to be healing your gut. So you might suggest adding some chopped spinach. Maybe we suggest trying, you know, some sort of leftovers from your night dinner in the morning and eating your leftovers for breakfast. You know, that's a really good way of changing your habit of eating these kind of heavier breakfasts by eating something, some leftovers and you add some more veggies to it, whether it's sauteed or steamed. I love that you stated about eating the rainbow because one of my favorite things to do when I'm cooking is I look in my refrigerator and I look to see the kind of colors I have in there. And I try and do at least three vegetables per whatever I'm making. So if I'm making a stir fry, I just look for three different vegetables, usually a green, a purple, and a red. And that I know it's not something I have to think very hard about. I'm just thinking about color. One of the things about eating um, lunches, a lot of people like to have a sandwich. I always talk about maybe looking at building building a salad that is that is is very 
filling because a lot of people are used to just tomato, cucumber, and lettuce. Well, what if a salad could look different? And we talk about that. We talk about adding a grain like quinoa that is a great fiber and great for your gut. We talk about seeds that is a great protein. We talk about adding maybe some blueberries, which are filled with antioxidants into that salad. Maybe we add arugula instead of your regular romaine. So trying these new superfoods that taste delicious and are going to be a little bit different than you're used to. And that's the education part of my of my job to talk about, ask what foods they like, and then we manipulate it a little bit. I love that. I love, I, I got really caught up thinking about blueberries in my salad. Yes, <laughs> totally. That sounds good. So I love these food ideas that you've shared. I know that some people are listening to this and everyone's going to be at a different place in their health journey. I've been, you know, I was raised by hippies and drinking carrot juice and taking cod liver oil as a child. And so I grew up and I grew up in a part of the United States where vegetables, fresh farm food was really available and really thankful that that's something that my parents really prioritized. So I learned really early on that it's delightful to eat the rainbow, that carrot juice is good. And some people are at a different stage of life. Maybe they didn't grow up learning those things. Maybe they, they, maybe they don't even like vegetables. And so hearing about all of these delicious ways to kind of work on gut health is really inspiring to somebody like me. But for somebody that feels overwhelmed, what what's just a what are some simple starting points so that they can start to experience more success and feel better? You know, the first thing I would say to anybody out there thinking about health, first to just kind of pause and just you know, hold yourself in with some self-compassion and recognize that things don't happen overnight. You know, like I said before, there's no magic pill. There's no magic way of eating that is going to make all of a sudden everything that much easier. So I guess the first thing I would say is give yourself some grace to just try one thing. And if, if I was going to say, you know, the reality is I feel that with gut health, one of the best things we can do is, is chiming into our parasympathetic nervous system. And we do that through taking time to breathe. I know that this is, we all breathe, we breathe all day, we have to breathe, right? But this is really taking time to take those deep breaths. And I know it's, it's, it's kind of a buzzword right now, breathing, just breathe. Well, the reality is there's a scientific approach that your body can go into that rest and digest state. So I would say taking that time to even taking three deep breaths throughout the day, even more so getting yourself before you eat so that your gut can be ready to digest in the way it's the, the body is such an amazing machine. It can. The other thing is making sure you have enough hydration. So yeah, we, we see those lists of having to drink eight glasses of water throughout the day. Well, there's reasons behind that. You know, it's it's not, it's it's really helping your gut do what it's supposed to do. So drinking the, the water, however you can do it. And there's lots of, you know, that's why working with the coach can be so great. You can work on these small habit changes, right? Also movement, you know, moving our body. It doesn't have to be a, a step class like we used to take, but it can be, after you eat, taking a 10 minute walk, your body will digest easier just having those little movements. So making sure you get into that rest and digest state, hydrating, some movement, and then bonus, whoever who want, who people like to have a little bonus, really either cutting out or cutting way back on any sort of processed foods because our gut is going to come in and attack them. Those are like, if you think about it, they're kind of like, there's a little army coming over the hill and attacking the good bacteria. So keeping those processed foods out of your diet and increasing your whole foods, that is going to be a huge change for you if you could change anything. 
That's so great. That's I great. love how I love how simple that can be, especially. And I really appreciate you explaining that when you're trying to hydrate, it there is this connection between your hydration and your gut health. Where sometimes for me, because I don't enjoy drinking water, I maybe there are people out there that do. So I don't enjoy drinking water. And sometimes it feels like I'm just trying to pound the water. <laughs> like I'm just trying to get to the place where I can be, I can say, okay, I drank my eight glasses of water. It's so much more helpful for me to think about how the hydration is benefiting my body. It, it feels nourishing versus forced, which is a good place for, for me to be in my mind. I just really appreciate the way anyone can pick up one of these health tools and start to make a difference in their life. I know before we've talked a little bit about slowing down and chewing your food. I've been trying to do that and it's harder than I thought. And I realized that half the time I'm already swallowing and I, I might not even be on the third chew. And so it's that mindfulness is, I feel like, under it's the common denominator i think with all of this and mindfulness is also one of those buzz buzzwords so it can just seem like one more thing you're supposed to be adding to your life i like how it the mindfulness itself though just being slowing down being more present is really helpful in all of these things and it's something we know i mean the science is out there that we can all benefit from slowing down especially in our very fast-paced world so I just want to thank you for coming on today and sharing with us so much wisdom. I I really enjoy being able to connect the wholeness of our health to something really specific like gut health because it is meant to be interconnected. And so thank you so much for, for being here. Well, thanks, Victoria. I really appreciate you putting this out there and just letting people know that taking care of your body and your mind and your soul doesn't have to be complicated. It just takes one little step at a time. And those little steps can really be impactful. So thank you for letting me share that message and have a wonderful day. I hope you enjoyed this production of The Naked News. Everything created here is for educational and entertainment purposes and should not take the place of talking with a medical or mental health professional. Hey, and speaking of educational and entertainment purposes, you may have heard that The Naked Librarian has a new activity book coming out. It's The Naked Librarian presents your first colonoscopy. If you have not had a colonoscopy before, um, you may not know that there are many, many steps that go along with it. And um, because I aged into colonoscopy recently, I realized that it's a lot to understand before you get a colonoscopy. And, you know, frankly, it's not a lot of fun. Even if you make it through, it's not really fun. And so over at The Naked Librarian, I really believe that hard things can still be fun and learning especially is fun and that's why I have created an activity book that has 10 fun-filled activities we've got word searches we've got trivia we've got quizlets we've got a maze we've got some really cool art inside and this activity book is going to be coming out at the end of summer and it is the perfect gift for anyone you know that's over the age of 45 it could be their birthday they don't even have to be scheduled for their colonoscopy yet and you can surprise them with this very very thoughtful gift and so I'm really hoping that if you're a listener of The Naked Librarian, you're going to get super pumped like me when this book comes out and we can kind of spread this whole health and wellness vision and fun and laughter with more people. So that's going to be coming out later this summer. Stay tuned. I'm so glad that you're here, that you're listening to The Naked Librarian. And remember to visit us over at nakedlibrarian.com slash naked library. And you can learn more from any of the awesome authors that are featured in our podcast. And you can buy their books over at our store. I already know better
Too late. Don't really care about all of your mistakes. You were out of your 